When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Celebrate amazing savings at your local Sprint store. Now through Sunday, November 17th, you can pick up the new iPad Gen 7 featuring a 10.2-inch Retina display and smart keyboard on us when you add a new line on a qualifying plan. That's right, get the new iPad on us when you add a new line at Sprint. There's never been a better time to switch. Hurry into your local Sprint store now through Sunday, November 17th to learn more. iPad 7 Gen 32 gigabyte, $0 per month after 1917 monthly credit for 24 months credit. Apply within two bills. Requires new line on qualifying plan. If you cancel early, remaining balance due, tax due at sale. Call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event. Like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 126 on Missable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and making his return to the show, this time with much better news, it's Sky Sports Zone, John Driscoll. John, how have you been? I'm all right, thank you, Dan. Very, very well. We Obviously, it's, it's been a bit of a strange situation in the, the UK with our La Liga broadcasting rights, so that, that's been the downside, but we've got our podcast going again, and uh, it's been a it's been a fun season in in La Liga, so yeah, all, all, all good, thank you. Yeah, I guess for the very very few listeners of ours who don't know, last time we spoke to you, you had the unfortunate news of your podcast, La Liga Weekly, with Terry Gibson 
was coming to an end, but the news is much, much different now. Altello and John's La Liga Weekly is not only back, but you guys, I, you sound seemingly better than ever. <laughs> Thank you very, very much indeed. Yeah, we've added the L Tell and John because um, we did the previous one for Sky, the, the UK broadcaster who had the rights for La Liga for about 20 years. We did it for them. Uh, they haven't given up on the rights, so they wanted to retain La Liga Weekly. But because we'd done La Liga Weekly for so long, we thought we'd uh, nick the name to the, the extent that we could. So, yeah, we've done two episodes back. So, yeah, L Tell and John's La Liga Weekly. And we go through, it's not just Barcelona, although as it happens, we you know, obviously Barcelona playing very well at the moment. So uh, they, they, they take up quite a lot of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, all of the all of the action from Spain. And, and Terry's a terrific uh, analyst of, of Spanish football. He used to play football, then he coached it. And now he works with a lot of scouts uh, and agents in, in, in Spain and between Spain and the UK. So he's got a terrific knowledge of the scene. Yeah, and John, for this show, obviously, you and I are going to be switching roles. I'm going to do my best John Disco impression, and you're going to be my Terry Gibson for this. As uh, we'll, we'll get it started now. Uh, again, we have a lot of questions, and with us recording this just over 24 hours before uh, the first of the three El Clasicos, today's La Gran Pagunta. How does Barcelona navigate three Clasicos in a month? And it's not just the three Clasicos, but it's just a very busy February that we're going to get down to. And, you know, John, obviously... When I say at the start of the program, it's unmissable opinions in the FC Barcelona community, you're much, uh, you're, not to say you're greater than that, but you're an unbiased voice to say to have on for the show. And I would ask you, do you think these matches actually more mean more to Barcelona than they do even Real Madrid? Because again, Real Madrid is the one who seemingly on the surface need these victories in a way that Barcelona, who are leading La Liga and who you know have had recent Copa del Rey success, it seems like the narrative is Real Madrid need these. Yeah, you could argue that, couldn't you? Because Madrid are well off the pace in La Liga. They, they've had the one recent title success, whereas obviously Barcelona have, have dominated in terms of winning the title uh, in recent seasons. I mean, Real Madrid's obsession is the Champions League, uh, which you know, and, and they've done it successfully, haven't they? It's a bizarre obsession. Uh, it's a bizarre plan, because, you know, obviously cup competitions come down to uh, more chance than a league campaign. And so it's a strange thing to pin all your hopes on a cup competition, but they do. And they've done it pretty well. And you know, they won the Champions League for the last three seasons. So they console themselves in a way, Real Madrid, that that's what they've always wanted. And that's what it's all about. And that's what being Real Madrid is. So, yeah, I suppose the, the cup competitions, if you've given my guess, I mean, as you say, I'm not a Barca fan. My guess, if you gave Barca fans one free pass this this season one one lucky game i guess you'd say the champions league wouldn't you you know, if you want a massive stroke of luck to win you a game you'd say get through the champions league and win the champions league because it's been a bit too long um yeah i mean that to say but you know you still want to win the copa del rey and you still want to put one over on on real madrid it's the thing with being a super club isn't it you know, you, you want to win them all you've got seven right. games in february you want to win them all because you want to win all three competitions yeah, I find it wonderful that you obviously don't inflict Barcelona Twitter on yourself. Uh, you know, obviously, that the uh, Champions League, when Messi said it at the beginning of the season at the, uh, at the Gamper game, you know, it, it was the announcement that that's what Barcelona were going to focus on this year. And you've seen different players as well drop it in interviews in a way that they normally don't. It's usually we're going to try to win across all competitions. But, you know, this year and to Barcelona supporters, it also feels like, you know, and again, this is social media being this reflective chamber of, uh, you know, consternation at all times. But it feels like Barcelona, while they are impressing in terms of results, they're still six points clear of Atletico, eight points above Real Madrid. But it seems as if, you know, they're not necessarily impressing everybody with their performances. 
But do you think that there might be that no team is impressing in the Liga this year? Yeah, I think that's fair enough, isn't it? I mean, Barcelona are the best, aren't they? Six points clear, yeah. uh, having won it by a distance last year. Um, I think, you know, some Barcelona fans, if you look at the Twitter, you know, I don't spend all my life on Twitter following Barcelona fans, truth be told. But there is a definite... Um, hesitate to say lack of gratitude but you know basically they're very 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 high standards looking back to the recent past looking back to Guardiola's Barcelona looking back to the first half season of, of Luis Enrique and sort of lamenting the fact that the club can't quite hit those heights right you know Barcelona is still playing at very very high level um, if there was a European Super League a World Super League, I think Barcelona would be top of it. So, you know, I still I would still argue that you're supporting the best, the most successful and currently strongest football club around at the moment. And, you know, the fact that everything's not perfect, the fact that every now and again you get a game like Valencia where you can't break down or you get done by, you know, a team with a plan that hits you on the break. That's football, you know, yeah, and and the, the and the failures that come in cup competitions. Again, that's football. You, you, you know, it's, it's very rare that a team dominates domestically and then doesn't slip up in the in the Champions League along the way because stuff can happen. And, you know, as, as Barcelona fans know to their cost, a little bit of complacency here and there and bang, you're out of a cup competition. So, you know, I, I, I still think you're in a strong position. Yeah, I mean, and we do obviously focus on Barcelona, but the last time that Barcelona did play Madrid without Messi, is injury status for the first of these three Clasicos still up in the air. But yet, without Messi, they defeated Madrid 5-1. Julian Lopetegui, of course, lost his job. Do you find that Santiago Solari could be on the hot seat with this stretch for Madrid? Because, again, not only is Barcelona's February difficult, Madrid's is arguably harder or, you know, or even worse. And the follow-up to that would be, what could Solari have up his sleeve for Barcelona, though he does probably still have a few tricks left to go that he has not to say saving for Barcelona, but obviously you see Isco on the bench. Could that be, uh, could those, could their eyes finally lock and they find a situation where Isco could thrive? No, no. I, I yeah. think he's given up on Isco. I, I, I find it a strange thing because I think Isco is a, a terrific player. I have a little bit of sympathy for Solari because finding a place in a team for Isco that isn't built around Isco uh, is, is hard. Um, he's under pressure all the time because he wasn't expected to be the, the, the coach. There is always this sense with Real Madrid when they appoint someone like Solari that he's only warming the seat. I don't know who for. I don't know whether it's, you know, Conte could return. Um, uh, God help us all, it could be Mourinho returning. Oh, but, there, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, please, no. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think Solari is, I think he's just got to pragmatically get through it. Play mm-hmm. who's fitter, play who's in form. Whether that means Gareth Bale or not, I don't know. I think there, I think you're right. He's in a situation where he can't let up on any games either. Um, not just because, obviously, you know, Real Madrid is a super club and their fans expect to win every game as well. But you know, his personal circumstances um, for him to be be there next season, I would say he's got to win something. He might, you know, the Copa del Rey might yeah. be enough for him. Champions League might be enough for him. Would getting second in the league from where he was, where where he took over, I'm not sure. So yeah. he's a man under pressure. He can't mess around. He, you know, he's not a tactical genius, Santi Solari. He's not an experienced coach. He will put out the best team. They'll play like we know they play. Uh, there's nothing fancy. There's nothing tactical. There hasn't been about Madrid uh, for a number of years now. They, you know, it's pretty straightforward what they do, isn't it? They they pick their best players. They send them out and they say, uh, away you go. Uh, I think lots of Real Madrid fans would like there to be 
a tactical plan. Would like there to be a journey that they can buy into and follow, but there just isn't. They're just a heavyweight boxer who stands there nose to nose, toe to toe, and they try and knock you over. And of course, because they've got brilliant players, occasionally they manage it. And for Barcelona, picking their best seems to be the easy thing for Ernesto Valverde. And they know, obviously, when Barcelona at their best this season, it, you know, it is almost a, a gala 11, as Barcelona fans have grown to call it. And the, the question now focuses not only on Messi and, and Dembele and, and their, you know, it will say injury situations, but the question then becomes, how does Valverde manage Jordi Alba's minutes? And that's besides Messi, Pique, Suarez, Rakitic, Busquets, the normal over 30 suspects. You know, it seems like both teams, both Barcelona and Real Madrid, in a sense, obviously, they're the most talented teams in the world, so they are set up for the difficult Februarys ahead. But in the same respect, it seems like their depth is severely going to be questioned in February now as opposed to in March and April when we've seen in, in most recent seasons for those two. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the dilemma of the, the super club, though, isn't it? And, you know, if, if there are any Raya Baikano fans listening, they'll, they'll, they won't be shedding any tears for, for you yeah. or uh, for, for no. Real Madrid. I, it's hard to say from the outside, isn't it? Because I think you've, I think you've got to trust your medical staff. I think you've got to look at Jordi Alba's medical reports. I think you've got to be honest with yourself, with you know, with Messi and Dembele, and just say, listen, you know, there's there's seven games to play in February. You you would hope that there's a, another similar amount to come in March, and then a, you know, a load more in in April um, before the end of the season. It it is going to be. You would hope it's going to be a grueling season. It might not be. Uh, you know, you, you by by the end of the month, or well, by the middle of March, when you play that second game against Leon, it could be all over, and you could just be coasting towards the end of the season. So, um, it's 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 a it's a real dilemma. So, yeah, managing those guys is an issue. Uh, strength in depth is an issue because where Barcelona, I think, has taken the, as a club has taken its eye off the ball a little bit is is being able to bring players. Through Alan Yar is obviously an exception of a you know he looks like a terrific player who's come through because that's where you need that strength and depth from. It's very difficult to mm-hmm. buy players to give you the strength in depth because you end up having to go a, a good level down. With all due respect to your new man Kevin Prince Boateng, he's, he's a good level down, isn't he, from Suarez? <laughs> because yeah, almost world class strikers don't want to come and sit on a bench yeah. and. The financial situation and the fact that the wages have got a little bit out of control at Barcelona means that it's it's it is it is difficult and, and what you know for to be in control of a, a sixty game season it's it's almost impossible but if you had better young players coming through that would help um, uh, strengthen the squad that help with the wage bill that would be a, a way of going about it but you, you're not in that situation so he's got his juggling act. Yeah, and to give our listeners, obviously you know this, this is an update, but it's obviously Madrid in the Copa del Rey, Bilbao on Sunday, Valladolid next Saturday, Lyon that Tuesday the 19th, Sevilla on the 23rd in league, Madrid on Wednesday the 27th, the second leg of the Copa del Rey, and then Madrid on Saturday, March 2nd, to round out, again, what is this crazy little (laughs) business. And John, now you as a neutral, obviously the football world, you know, yes, our world was always around Barcelona, but it seems that when El Clasico happens, you know, that is the penultimate match. That is, well, it again, it can beat with the Super Clasico of River Plate and, uh, River Plate and Boca Juniors, and obviously you have other rivalries going on. But Barcelona against Real Madrid, the, the you know, top teams in Europe, this is when the, the footballing world stops. Now, I've thought about this a lot, and the feeling to me is that 
Do you think it's good for football to have three Classicos so close to each other? And we think back to that 2011 season where we had the four Classicos at the end of the year. Because I feel like back then there was almost this Classico burnout where not only the players and you know everybody involved, but it seemed like there was just so much of it. And the storyline just became... Barcelona against Real Madrid and, and the rest of competitions and the rest of the teams that they were facing kind of just all fell to the to the wayside. Yeah, although I, I was happy when that draw came out for two reasons. One, the neutral in me wanted somebody else in the final. I, you know, I did a, a Classico Copa del Rey final. I was thinking, I'm not sure. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's good as, as the neutral for, for, you know, for one of you to have taken um, the other one out uh, before you get to the final, just you know, just to open up the, the possibility of, you know, of someone else uh, winning the Copa del Rey. And Betis, um, at, Betis at home maybe is, is a fun is a fun idea as well. I think we've all yes, agreed over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- so that would that would be a good game. Um, no, I, I, I don't mind it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it did get a bit it got because you had Mourinho. Uh, involved, didn't you? And the whole eye gouging nonsense yeah. and everything, all the pressure that he was, I think in those days, deliberately bringing to bear. I think by the by his Manchester United days, Mourinho, I think he was out of control and he couldn't help causing pressure and causing upset everywhere he went. I think he, I think it was tactical to try and take down Pep Guardiola and try to try and wear down and grind down uh, the Barcelona machine at the time. Uh, I think it'll be better natured. Um, this time round, as competitive, but I think you're dealing with very different characters, aren't you? I, I think no, nicer people uh, in charge of the uh, of, of the clubs this time round. Um, no, I, I, I think it's good. I think I mean, you know we've just relaunched our podcast, and you've got your podcast. It will bring a lot of interest, you know, having these games and having a sequence of matches and the Classico. It's, it is unrivaled uh, in our in, in in the UK. It's 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 a shame because this this Copa del Rey game is not on television in the UK. It's madness, absolutely crazy. So people were watching it on websites, on on bookies sites, you know that kind of thing. But you can't sit down on your TV. It's not on the main the main over the top service. It's got La Liga. So you know we we in the UK there won't be the buzz about it. I think the Spanish Federation plays a big part in that of being in, being greedy about the amount of money. Uh, that they're demanding for the for the Copa del Rey as well. So it's it's a shame that we'll lose some of the buzz for this one. It's still the biggest game in club football. It's it's, it's bigger than the you know the the South American. Uh, it's it's you know it's, it's bigger than Boca River. It's bigger than anything in England. Uh, it's bigger than anything in Italy. There's there's not the nowhere else has it come down to there being two giants going head to head with the history. Well, with the with the the angst dating back to all of the stories about uh, you know Franco and the oppression of the Catalans and all of the back history as well, that I'm sure that you're aware of, Dan, and, and you know, your mm-hmm. older listeners uh, will be aware of. So yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, three, three classicos. Yeah, yeah, keep them coming for me. I'm, I'm not I'm not classicoed out yet. Maybe maybe ask me again at the end of the month, but uh, <laughs> not yet. Well, when you play these teams, and there, again, there is a little bit of a break between this first one here and then the end of the month with those two, do you find that when they're facing each other so many times so quickly, now obviously, again, personnel with Messi and Dembele are going to be important for tomorrow's, and again, depending on what time you have this in your ears, it might be before or after the match, but do you think that there are going to be some different strategies going into different matches, and depending on who's home and who's away, even for this tie, if we'll say, for the Copa del Rey? Because obviously Valverde has played it quite cautiously with some of the first legs yeah. of these Copa del Rey games. Um, I would be surprised if he would do that against Madrid at home in the semi-final. 
Right. So I, I think, you know, bearing in mind you know, the, the, what I said previously about them, you know, you've got to trust the medical guys. You've got to look carefully at the medical reports. You've got to be honest with yourself and tell Messi in particular, be honest with yourself. There's a lot of games coming up. But apart from that, I, I think it would be, I think it would be a mistake. Um, bearing in mind that you know, he does have his critics. He, for, for a coach who's been pretty successful, he, he's not loved, is he, Ernesto Valverde? So don't don't take any gambles. Don't you know, don't, don't you know whatever you do, don't end up losing three 0 at home to Madrid because you put out a weakened team in a, in the, you know in, in the first leg. Uh, that that would be foolhardy. Now I've just got a few more for you. These are almost little one-offs about the rest of the Liga. We again we don't talk about I'd say the rest of the teams in the Liga enough. So since we have you, I just want you to weigh in on the idea of of depth in the Liga. And this is an argument that obviously you know social media is a perfect place for this argument as well, arguing whether the Premier League is better or talented or deeper and all these things than the Liga. But I, I think of Huesca's recent form coming to mind first and foremost. Do you think that that congestion in the La Liga table at the moment? Is more of a product of parity, or do you think it is twenty talented teams who are just you know having the ebbs and flows of a season? You think about obviously Espanol dropping like a rock and Girona having troubles right now, but yet Bilbao kind of figuring those things out and the again the ebbs and flows of a season. Yeah, it's a good question. I, the, the the short answer is I don't know. If I was a sports impresario, what I would do, I, I would have I'd, I'd love to see one summer a La Liga versus uh, Premier League playoff so not just obviously in the european games tell us that the top end of the spanish league has been stronger than the top end of the english league over the last 10 years because mm-hmm. you know they're, they're, they're simply they've won more trophies and they've got more of the uefa coefficient points the, the counter argument of the premier league that living in england we hear a lot oh yeah but we've got strength in depth i don't know i look at huddersfield and, and they're, they're awful <laughs> absolutely they're, they're absolute terrible um and I, I've, you know, I've commentated on Huesca this season, and I, I you know, Huesca, I think they play better football than Huddersfield, and are arguably a better team. The vast, you know, the huge amounts of money that English clubs have spent, I don't know where it's gone. Um, I think it's it's been wasted casting around the world for players rather than sometimes just focusing on what you've got and developing the team that you've got. Yeah. So. Um, I, I don't see any difference. I, I think it's a real myth. And, and you know, it, your, your listeners in England will, will, will recognise this story that oh, the bottom end of the Premier League is really strong. Anyone can beat anyone in the Premier League. I think that's wrong. I think uh, if you look at the, you know, the number of points gathered, that um, I think the, the, the top teams in England have more points at the equivalent points of, you know, of the season. I think Liverpool and Man City have been more dominant in England than Barcelona, Atletico and Real Madrid have been in Spain. You know, Real Madrid have dropped loads of points. Barcelona, yeah. particularly early in the season, were dropping points and, and being genuinely troubled by teams who you, who you wouldn't fancy. So I think, there's, I think there's good strength in depth uh, in La Liga. I think more could come. Uh, I think the uh, what, what I don't think is just handing a load of money will make it necessarily stronger. Because I think you, what you've got to be wary of all the time is what happened in the Premier League. Because you suddenly hand, say, Girona, you, you suddenly hand them tens of millions of euros to go and spend on players. There won't be new players won't suddenly appear who will suddenly make Girona better. What are they going to do with it? They're going to go to Ukraine and buy a left-back and then go to South Korea and buy a right-sided midfielder mm-hmm. who won't be any better than what they could have developed themselves. I, that's, that's, that's my view of it. So one of the things I've always loved about the Spanish football is that, with one or two exceptions, there has always been a, so many of the teams have got a core of homegrown players. And I think the story of Athletic Bilbao over the years tells you that 
some it's it, there's a myth of the transfer market i think you know the fact that they they virtually don't operate in the transfer market they produce almost all of their own players or they nick them when they're young from other bass clubs which is a little bit controversial and there they are year after year after year competitive in la liga they were in trouble earlier this season they they seem to have turned it around it, there, there is a bit of a, a myth about the, the the vast spending, and I think it's in other leagues as well. You know, I, I had a look at the. I did commentate some games in the the Italian league uh, earlier this season, and I commentated on Empoli against Juve. And I was, mm-hmm. I was watching Empoli. I was thinking, you know what? They're they're decent. <laughs> you know, they're they're as good as the teams. Uh, they're as good as Burnley or Southampton or someone in the in the English. They're as good as the teams. You know, lower mid table in the English league. I, I don't think there's a vast uh, a huge difference. I think. Probably the most striking thing is that there is a real similarity in the strength between the leagues. When, when you really scratch, scratch the surface, then there's not a massive difference between them, even though they're played in different countries. Uh, I, I think teams would finish roughly where they finish in, in their league. I think Athletic Bilbao would be mid-table in the Premier League. Yeah. And it's funny, you do mention Bilbao. You, when they were going through their issues early in the season... I started to question how important is it for the Liga to have their historic clubs like Bilbao in the top division? And, you know, the parallel here is that the Bundesliga has probably, you'd say, 16 of their 18 biggest clubs in Germany. Um, obviously, Köln was sent down last year. But again, they've got some major, major powerhouses, historic powerhouses in the Bundesliga at the moment. And I do say this knowing that Gijón, Zaragoza, Deportivo and Malaga all in the second division. And the argument at the moment with Segunda division is that that is the deepest and biggest clubs. Cadiz also comes to mind. Those are the biggest clubs ever in the Segunda division at the same time. But again, but the question is more even about La Liga, that if a team like Bilbao were to drop down or uh, say Villarreal, obviously, is the other one that you think of right now, when the clubs of that stature drop down, is that worse for La Liga, you find? Or is it more exciting to have the Huescas and obviously Girona, they're only in their second season there. But, you know, having those smaller clubs like Anes, Hatafe, kind of staking out their claim in the first division. It's a funny thing, isn't it? It's like a cup shock in a cup competition in the World Cup. So everyone loves a cup shock early on. Yeah. And then when you get to the final, when you get to the semi-final and there's only small teams left in it, you sort of scratch your head and think, uh, that's not really what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bar story, obviously magnificent, wasn't it? This, this, you know, this home club with a tiny stadium with, you know, and, and you can see kids playing in the background when they were first promoted and all of this. So that was a brilliant story. Uh, Leganes was a brilliant story. Them getting up, Wesker came up, brilliant story. <laughs> then, then you start looking at it and think, yeah, I sort of miss Depot and, uh, you know, I sort of miss Hihon and I sort of miss uh, Zaragoza. So I w- I'd quite like to see some of those big clubs coming back up. Granada top of the league, aren't they, at the moment? And they're, they're a big club as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, it, the Spanish, you know, I don't want to be uh, an apologist for the Spanish league. There, there are things it could do. And it's an overwhelming thing that it could do better. You mentioned Germany. And I think it's the case in England. They look after their fans so much better in Germany yes. and in England yep. than they do in Spain. You know, it's it's when when guys go out. Lots lots of the guys who follow me on Twitter, they they like to go out and watch games. I was talking to you know a, a, a man at uh, who's a, a statistician at Sky the other day, and he's got a, a trip planned. He's going to the Basque Country for a, uh, a weekend, and he's hoping to watch some football, but he doesn't yet know which games are on the weekend that he's there. So that kind of thing, <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, you know, just 
the culture of looking after your fans and of cherishing your supporters and of cherishing the idea that people come to the stadium and watch their football in the stadium. They enjoy themselves, they make a noise, they wave their flags. And that's what La Liga needs to get its head, its, its head around. And I think what, hap- what will happen if they properly look after their fans, you get the balance right between match day revenue and TV revenue. Because someone like Abar being mid-table in La Liga, probably with a bigger budget, I would guess, than someone like Zaragoza at the moment, even though Abar's a tiny club, Zaragoza is a historically much bigger club. But while, while you're almost dependent, well, you're, you're over-dependent on your TV money, the danger is that all your big clubs, you know, you poorly run big clubs all um, just drain away. And that's a shame because there are some big clubs that I'd like to see back because for the long-term health of La Liga, you want to see big clubs in. And then then it's a brilliant story when a Girona or an Eibar or a Leganes or Huesca mm-hmm. come up. But do I want half the division like that? Not sure I do. Well, we started this with, you know, El Clasico was talking about the biggest of the big. But we're going to end this, John, for the final question. Continuing on, just one more about the Segunda Division and broadcasting rights. Now that they have that deal with YouTube, with that being the Segunda Division, I've even watched now a little bit of Mallorca, uh, Gijon, uh, Oviedo as well on YouTube. How do you think that affects Spanish foot- football, if at all? And I think you kind of have already answered this question in, in that just giving it more availability and accessibility and having some broadcasting rights and particularly money. And that's a big problem with Spain historically, you know, not to, again, I don't want to take any part of your answer, but you know, the second, third, fourth divisions in Spain, obviously fourth divisions in any country are not going to have broadcasting rights or anything like that. But it seems that the trickle down money in Spanish football has always been very, very tiered uh, in a way that the premier league, as we've seen them get is obviously the epitome of this where the top of the table and the top of the Premier League, you know, it's going to be tough to take anybody out of the six, the top six spots or eight or 10. And then the mid-level teams, you know, uh, it was Stoke City for a long time, but they really do get stuck in that middle ground. And then the bottom feeders kind of just trade spots between the championship and, and the relegation zone. But for Spain, as we mentioned, it hasn't been like that in recent times. And do you think that the YouTube deal in the Schooner Division actually mo- moves them forward in a positive direction? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all exposure, I think, is 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 good. I think the, the important to bear to, for the long term health, you need um, some equality. Um, you, you be very very careful of any situation which we have, particularly with the Champions League, because the big clubs, the big European clubs, keep on going to UEFA and twisting their arm to change the rules in their mm-hmm. favour. And I think in each domestic league as well, we certainly have it in the Premier League, the big clubs are forever wanting the rules changed in their favour. For example, a classic one, where I was a kid, we had FA Cup replays, and it was a part of football culture that you occasionally had this, you know, you get to four FA Cup replays and these exhausted teams would still be slogging it out. The big clubs didn't want that, and so it disappeared. And, and then we're in a situation now where, as you say, we have... In England, six clubs, and you think yeah, they can't be challenged. I mean, so one one season, Leicester did it brilliant. Um, it was a major problem for Spanish football. I think that it got down to two. So uh, all hell to Simeone for making La Liga more competitive by bringing Atletico <laughs> up in the way that yeah. he did. You know, they're not they're not beautiful to watch. You know, it's you know, it takes a, a purist to, to sort of appreciate Atletico, but it was someone else who could win the league, and they. Then, obviously, they went out onto the European stage, did the same thing and and caused everyone, you know, the big clubs. They they bloodied the noses of the big clubs. You must, as a sports administrator, 
keep an eye on your fans, keep an eye on keeping some equality because you need the, the dream. You need That's what football is, isn't it? You need the dream that a team can come and beat a Barcelona. You know, mm-hmm. You're a Barcelona fan. Everyone listening to this is a Barcelona fan. How boring would it be if you knew next season you would win every single game? You'd think, actually, you know, much as I love the club, do I want that? Do I do I want right. a situation where everyone else is so weak they can't play us? Yeah. Because that's the end of the game, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I mean, I've made the argument many times this season that Sergio Roberto, uh, you know, and this is a quick one-off, that he has surprised me that he seems to come get up to the level of El Clasico's and he seems to play really, really well against the top teams in Spain and Champions League and big competitions. But then when Barcelona, as we've kind of been hinting at, when they lost to Leganes when they were bottom of the table at the start of the year, Sergio Roberto had just a, a, a torrid day uh, at right back and not in a good way when he was just, again, menaced on, on the wing defensively and you know it seems like when Barcelona mentally don't get up to the bottom feeders in the Liga they do suffer and they do drop points and Real Madrid in the same way the first half of their season they're almost willing to drop points to bottom feeders who they know can get up to the level and take points off them if they don't have it on that day and there's an important note um, and so John we've been talking about El Clasico we went through that we talked about the rest of La Liga and I want to thank you so much for your time and with all the detail we got into today, I usually ask people, where can people find you? But I guess the better question for you would be, where are all the places that people can find you? <laughs> well, the, what, what I would really like is for people to have a listen to our podcast. I know, I know they're enjoying your podcast as well. So um, so it's La, La Liga Weekly or El Tell and John's La Liga Weekly. It's on all of the, the usual podcast mm-hmm. um, uh, outlets. And uh, so our Twitter is La Liga underscore weekly. And we will be there. We're doing one a week at the moment. We'll probably do a bonus one. Hopefully, we'll do a bonus one for the second leg of the the the, uh, the copper semi-final. And so we, we're there every week. We're talking Spanish football every week. We love our Spanish football. Terry's a brilliant analyst. I don't think there's a, a better English language analyst of, of Spanish football around. So so yeah, yeah, give us a listen. Yeah, and I would also plug. Obviously, there's very few people who listen to this show who don't listen to yours, but. Your openings as well, John. I know you're a humble man, but they're absolutely great. A five-star review uh, just within itself. And that's, again, before Terry, who's one of the best analysts around, even begins talking. Uh, So, again, thanks so much to John for joining the show. And thanks you, the listeners, for tuning in. Again, you can tap in your app. Check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, or at HiltonD13 for me. And on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group. No listener questions today, but, again, they're the bread and butter of the show on a normal week and we do also do deeper dives discussions there you can also help us out on patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash patreon and also you can check us out on youtube where if you know you're watching this on youtube that's where you get some of lebron paguntas we're going to be posting those as well it's a new venture with the show so thanks for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon and forward to barcelona What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX command simulated. Don't miss the Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event. Get $100 back on a package that's right for you. That's a gift. 
you'll unwrap amazing speed and Wi-Fi coverage from America's best internet provider. Plus, the Emmy award-winning X1 voice remote with Xfinity X1. The easiest all-in-one entertainment experience. A gift in a gift in a gift. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. The Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event ends December 10th. So click, call, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. New X1 double play and triple play customers only. Minimum one to two year term contract required. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.